Welcome back to this week's episode of the Brawn Body Podcast. This week, I'll be breaking down some of the life lessons, uh, especially those that apply to health and fitness, that I've learned from my time in graduate school. So if you didn't know, I am in my fifth year of my doctorate of physical therapy, meaning I have this semester and then two more semesters of classes and instruction and then some clinicals sprinkled here and there. And then I am officially a doctor, which is pretty exciting for me. But I wanted to share some of the things that I've learned along the way with you. So with that in mind, we're going to get deep. We're going to get personal. And I'm going to give a a lot of shout outs to some of the people who have had an impact on my learning and my life across the past year or so. So let's get into it. I have a bachelor's degree in exercise science. I'm in school to become a doctor of physical therapy. I'm a certified personal trainer who started a business at the age of 21. I've trained dozens and dozens of clients and helped hundreds of people. I've read dozens and dozens of books all about health, fitness, training, and nutrition. And I'm putting all of that knowledge and experience together to bring you this podcast. The Brawn Body Podcast is your new one-stop shop for everything you need to know about health, fitness, nutrition, and more. So just a general overview here. I'm sharing six lessons that I've learned in my time in graduate school so far. And I've got six specific professors that I've really had for the most part so far. Um, There's other professors in our department, obviously, but I haven't really had them or gotten the chance to know them too well yet. So six lessons, six professors. And this first one, exercise is good. You've heard me say it dozens of times, hundreds of times. This is where it all came from. So one of my professors, he taught pathophysiology, inpatient, geriatrics, a lot of different coursework. He even taught some of our pharmacology course. And his biggest thing that he shared with us was how beneficial exercise is. And he's right. I, I even did a whole podcast about how good exercise is. So if you haven't listened to that yet, highly recommend going back to that. But literally every system in your body benefits from exercise. Think about that. Everything. So your cardio, uh, your cardiovascular system. So your heart and your blood vessels. Your pulmonary system. So your lungs. Your integumentary system. Your skin. Your muscular system. Yeah, obviously your Muscles are going to benefit from exercise, right? Your digestive system. Yep, you get better digestion from exercise. Everything, urinary, reproductive, everything, sexual, um, cognitive, uh, nervous system, every single system benefits from exercise. And again, go back and listen to the podcast to go through how it benefits all of those different uh, systems. I We walked through all kinds of different things from heart rate variability and parasympathetic nervous system activity, the vagus nerve tone, everything 
fully explained in that podcast. So highly recommend going back if you haven't heard that yet. Um, Additionally, I said that this professor taught pathophysiology as well. So the big thing with pathophysiology when you're learning it is there's all these different diseases and health conditions that people might have, right? Well, the thing you learn is that exercise can play a huge role in preventing pathologies or treating pathologies. So people who exercise are less likely to develop certain pathologies. For example, type 2 diabetes mellitus. The incidence of type 2 diabetes is lower in individuals with greater muscle mass and lower body fat percentages, so more lean mass, which makes sense because muscles help address the issues with insulin resistance. Uh, Muscle mass helps address that issue that you see with type 2 diabetes. Uh, Same thing can be said for obesity. So muscle mass increases your metabolism. The more muscle you have, the better your metabolism will be. Muscle is very metabolically expensive. It requires a lot of energy and nutrients for your body to maintain it. That's why it's so hard to do because it's not cost effective. It's uh, very inefficient. It would be like running a car off a engine that gets five miles to the gallon, right? Most people would not want to do that. But when you increase your muscle mass substantially, that's kind of what happens. Um, So you see people like bodybuilders, for example, that get, you know, up to 250, 300 pounds and they're 5% body fat. So if they weigh 300 pounds, that says they have over, oh, geez, my math's a little off, but probably about 285 pounds of muscle. That is a lot of muscle mass, let me tell you. But as a result, they're able to burn fat much more effectively. They burn more calories. Their body needs more throughout the day. So obviously your instance of obesity, which is where you'd see higher levels of body fat percentage, higher BMI, that sort of thing, is going to be lower because you're less likely to gain body fat if you have substantial muscle mass. Uh, With that, exercise is simple. It's low cost. And again, it is one of the best things that you can do for your body. So when we say exercise, you don't have to go to a gym. I don't know. I can't stress that enough. And I say that to people because when I do custom programming, which is my big thing, I believe that everyone should have a custom program for them and not just a cookie cutter base program that is designed for, you know, whoever. I believe everything should be individually tailored to specific to you. So you, if you don't like going to the gym, then you should have a workout program that allows you to meet your goals without needing the gym. So what I mean by that is say you want to build muscle and get stronger. You can do that in the gym. But if you don't want to go to the gym, you should be able to do that at home. You should be able to do that outside. You should be able to do that on your time schedule, on your timeline, all of that sort of thing. So when you think about it that way, exercise really is 
simple because it would just be following a custom plan that I would lay out for you in this case. And it is very cost effective because I'm telling you, you don't even need to go to the gym to achieve whatever goals you're trying to um, crush. So whether it's fat loss or endurance goals or muscle gain or strength gain, whatever. And this goes for men, women, everyone. It's, it, you don't need the gym and you don't need any fancy equipment. If you have your body weight and maybe like a sturdy chair or a sturdy table or something like that, you probably have all you need. You can use things like textbooks or, you know, homemade weights, little things like that if you want external weights. But I'm telling you, you can build a incredible physique with very little cost and very little equipment. So first lesson, exercise is good and there should be no barrier to it. Anyone and everyone can find a way to exercise that is beneficial to them. And remember, if you are struggling to do that and need help with that, Brawn Body is here. We do custom programming for so many different people. I've worked with athletes. I've worked with people who have chronic health conditions like asthma, for example. So we've been there and we've worked through this before. So please reach out to us if you're interested in any custom workout programs. So exercise is good. That's our first lesson. Second lesson, own your uniqueness. So we are all different. We are all unique. So in the summer of, oh geez, feels like forever ago, summer of 2019. So over a year ago now, I did a cadaver anatomy dissection. Really cool stuff. There was 10 cadavers in our lab and all 10 of them were different. Anatomically, everything about them, their bodies were different. Some of them had big livers, some had smaller livers. Some had bigger kidneys, some had smaller kidneys. Some organs were smooth, some were rough. Some had a lot of muscle mass, some had very little muscle mass. Some had a lot of body fat, some had very little body fat. Some had facial hair, some didn't. Uh, different genders, all kinds of different things between each cadaver. And at the time, that made the course very difficult because you were studying the anatomy in the books and in the lectures, which was pictures, and those were pristine and perfect. And then you would go into the bodies and try and find those. And that was a little bit of a struggle because, again, they're all different. So none of them looked identical to the book. So you're trying to do your best to take that book and apply it to the body. But you can't just apply it to one body. You have to buy it, apply it to 10 different bodies over and over and over again. Everybody is unique. No two people are the same. And that is something that you should own. You should embrace it. Embrace the fact that you are like no one else. You are your own. Make yourself your own. You are one person, whoever you are. And because of this, again, going back to what I was just talking about, the importance of customization in health and fitness is 
so critical because no two people are the same. So how can I put together one cookie cutter program and expect it to work for so many different people? I can't. That's why I stress the importance of a custom fitness program. That's one of the things I've really struggled with too is a lot of people want cookie cutter programs. And I get it, they're more cost effective or efficient and they're easier to access. But with that said, I do feel like the custom program works better. It's a better use of your time, your energy, and your money. However, I've been trying to develop pre-built programs that will still give results to many different people. Uh, And that's been something I've been slowly working through and tackling and wrestling with. How am I going to address this? How am I going to do this? Because no one else has done it. Everyone else has these programs that are for a certain goal. So say, you know, strength gain. But that strength gain program might not work for every single person. So how do you design programs to be pre-built yet customized to every single individual? That's, again, been something I've been wrestling with and figuring out. And I think we've got it now. It's just a matter of getting it published and posted and making it available to all of you. So hopefully that will be in the works here soon. But exercise is good and own your uniqueness. Again, we all have a unique story, not just our anatomy and physiology that's unique, but our story, our backstory, our journey, how we got to where we are. So again, I'm saying these things because they're things I learned in PT school or things that I knew, but they were really brought home when I was in, when I'm in PT school here. Uh, So one of the professors I'm thinking of with this one you know, his journey to becoming the physical therapist that he is right now is incredible, but it was not a straight linear path, you know, and I feel like a lot of people feel that way about their lives. They don't go one thing right to the next, right to the next, right to the next. They jump around, they jump all around. And I know a lot of uh, professors that I've had will say the same thing. They didn't start out in physical therapy. So maybe they started out in marine biology or the armed forces, or maybe they had a um, double major in uh, fraternity studies or sorority studies or something along those lines. I don't know. It just goes to show that we all have a unique path and unique purpose in addition to our literal bodies being unique and different than everyone else. So embrace that. Embrace that uniqueness. Own your unique journey, your unique purpose and mission. So exercise is good. Own your uniqueness. Next, we got to stick to what works. So if it's not broke, why fix it? In physical therapy, we are notorious for doing this. There are so many models, uh, clinical tests, clinical measures, outcome measures, uh, exam templates, stuff like that that we use because they work. 
and we just stick to what works. Why reinvent the wheel? So we use things like the ICF model. We use things like the tissue tension exam. We use things like the speed test and Jurgensen test and all kinds of different tests, uh, outcome measures like the tug, the one leg stance time, the Berg, Tinetti Poma, different tests that are proven to work, that are proven to be effective. And they have went through rigorous testing to be at the point that they are and be as respected as they are. So with that said, why would I waste time trying to reinvent the wheel when I have a whole system that's already been developed by other people that I can use to help people? A system that I can use that is effective, that works, and it is really, really good. So I know a lot of people are sort of pioneers, you know, they're on the frontier, kind of like cowboy era, so to speak, where they don't want to follow anyone else's footsteps. They want to create their own path. They want to blaze their own trail. And in many ways, I am like that myself. And this was kind of a learning curve for me. I said, you know, this is all well and good and great and all, like we've got all these different tests and stuff, but I kind of want to develop my own. And at first, uh, last fall, especially for me, I thought that was totally fine. Like, I'm just going to kind of go about doing my own thing, go my own way with this, right? Uh, But more recently and this year, I've realized that that is not the best way to go about things because these other tests and measures that we have and that we use, they are so well-backed and researched. People put decades of work into putting these together in making them as good as they currently are, and they continuously show effectiveness. I'm going into physical therapy because I want to help people. I know pretty much any PT major would tell you that. Um, There's more to it than that for me, but in general, we all want to help people. So why would I spend so much time trying to reinvent the wheel? when I could be using that time trying to help people. And for me, that really cleared so much up and gave me a lot of mental clarity and more focus uh, to be moving forward, just knowing that I have a system that works, it's effective, and I don't need to change it, really. I just have to trust the process and stick to what works and customize it here and there. So, for example, I said before, things like speed test or Jurgensen test, those are specific uh, tests that you would do at the shoulder. Or maybe, same thing, you know, someone has a shoulder pathology, so maybe I do those tests and maybe I administer a cervicothoracic junction, so CT junction mobilization, a grade 5 high velocity thrust. Great, I could do that as a uh, physical therapist that's within our practice act. But I'm not going to do that for every patient. So if someone comes in with lower back pain, I could look at their shoulder, but odds are I'm probably not going to start with things like special tests 
uh, for the shoulder and mobilizations for the neck. I'd probably start with a nice gross assessment of movement, see what's going on, and then narrow in and hone in on that lower back. And maybe my interventions would be a lot more specific to the lower back where the pain is or around the lower back. So areas like the hip, for example. And maybe I would administer a lumbar roll, uh, reverse air hard, uh, shotgun, um, something along those lines. Uh, there's one, oh, um, a Copenhagen maybe. Uh, so just to kind of put in perspective, although we have these systems that work and they are proven, we're not losing that customization uh, every time we have a patient in front of us. We still customize and tailor everything to every patient. And sometimes one intervention might not work. So going back to the low back pain, maybe a lumbar roll doesn't work but the reverse air hard does. Obviously, moving forward, I'm not going to keep doing lumbar rolls when the reverse air hard gets the job done. Maybe the Copenhagen works and reverse air hard doesn't. Then we're going to go with Copenhagen, and I'm going to look at what the Copenhagen would address, which I believe would be more of a SI joint kind of issue. So just going to show that although we have this pre-built system and we're sticking to what works, just proving the point that we always go back to customization. It is all about the patient and in exercise. And in what I'm doing here with Brown Body, it is all about my client. So making sure that I have everything customized and tailored to you specifically and no one else. So, so far we've got exercise is good. Own your uniqueness and stick to what works. Additionally, another lesson I've learned is you should be both human and kind. So humankind, be both. And the reason I bring that up is a lot of us, I know I'm guilty of it, and I'm sure we all are at times, we are so quick to judge other people by what they're doing, what we see or what we hear about them, uh, what we see on social media, whatever. People are very quick to judge, uh, very, very judgmental species. And in reality, we should really be respecting others because you never know what someone is going through. So I know for my, myself, for example, I'm going through some difficult things that I don't really like to talk about right now. And I don't really bring them up. I'm trying not to let them phase me. But some days they kind of get to me a little bit, you know, and I'll be honest, I get emotional, you know, and I don't hide that. Like, yes, I'm a guy. Yes, I cry. That's fine. Be emotional. Be empathetic. Allow yourself to feel not just what you yourself is feeling, but what someone else might be feeling. Again, you never know what situation someone might be in or you never know what unhealed past traumas someone is living with so although it's the harder road to always be humankind always make sure you do it so recapping again exercise is good own your uniqueness stick to what works and be both humankind be a human be kind to others now uh fifth actually one more Knowledge is power. So 
there was one professor I had, uh, I had him for cadaver anatomy, and he was incredibly smart, and still is incredibly smart, um, sorry, wrong tense there, but he knows his stuff. He would have a picture on slides, right? So every slide would be a picture, no text, no words, and he would be able to explain everything in the picture without you know, skipping a beat without looking at his notes. He would know the muscles, where they originate, where they insert or attach, um, what they do, their actions, which nerve supplies the muscles, which blood uh, vessels supply the muscles, whether it's arteries or veins or moving stuff. Uh, he would know everything, uh, the spaces of the body, so borders, what's in them. Uh, he knew nerve pathways, artery pathways, he knew a lot of stuff, and he had this stuff committed to memory. And clearly, um, knowledge, which he had, is power, because he ended up becoming the department chair for our uh, department. So the human brain really is limitless. You have no limit to how much you can learn. A lot of people think of the brain like a hard drive, like there's a set amount of storage to it, and eventually you run out. But from all the studies we've seen and know, there's no uh, evidence of that whatsoever. And I think it really shows with some of these people who, you know, I call them human computers because they know so much. And really the only thing that's going to limit your ability to learn and gain knowledge is yourself. How much work are you willing to put in? How much time are you willing to put into learning something? Um, what's your mindset? You know, is it, I have to learn something or is it, I get to learn something and just being aware of the power that knowledge, knowledge gives you. So in the physical therapy realm, having the knowledge of anatomy and physiology and joints and how they can become pathological, how stuff can go wrong within them. Having that knowledge gives you the power to help and heal people from pain, from injury, from you name it, and get back to living their lives better. So that knowledge that you have gives you the power to help people. So again, exercise is good. Own your uniqueness. Stick to what works. Be both humankind. Knowledge is power. And last, seek understanding. So... A lot of times people just go about things looking to memorize information or they just kind of take things at face value. So, you know, someone might say, oh, you know, I'm having a bad day today. Most people would be like, oh, you know, I'm sorry to hear that. Like, you know, that sucks. Uh, a lot of people even ask like, oh, you know, how's your day going? And if someone asks you that, especially if they're just walking by you, passing by real quick, Stop them and be like, my day is going really awful. And just see their reaction and see what they do as a follow-up to that. Because a lot of people just expect, oh, you know, I'm good. How about you? Good, thanks. And then carry on their way. That's just quick, small talk kind of convo. They're not seeking understanding. So if someone says, I'm having a great day. Say, okay, that's great. I'm so glad to hear that. What's making it so good? Or if you're having a bad day, what's making it so bad? 
seek understanding not just in people, but in content. So going back to, say, anatomy, for example, because in physical therapy, you need to know your anatomy. There's no way around it. So say you're trying to learn muscles. You could sit there and strictly memorize their origin, their insertion, their action, their innervation, flashcards over and over and over again. You could do that. But it's a lot easier to seek understanding. So maybe you're trying to learn a muscle's origin insertion. So where the muscle starts and where it attaches further away from the starting point. So it's start and end point in simple terms. So if you're trying to learn that, maybe it would help to first get an understanding of where in the body the muscle is roughly and what joints it crosses. So the biceps, for example, we know that that's located in the upper portion of the arm or the brachium, and it crosses both the shoulder joint and the elbow joint. So right off the bat, I know that it must originate somewhere above the shoulder joint and it must insert somewhere below the elbow joint since it crosses both of them. So right away, I've narrowed down my origin and insertion from you know somewhere in the body to two very specific regions. And with that, that makes learning easier. So next step would be actions. So what does the biceps in this case do? So let's think about how it runs. So it runs across the front of the shoulder and the front of the elbow. So if it shortens or contracts, then you would see it flex the elbow or and the shoulder. So it's going to move the shel- shoulder up or elevate the shoulder, flex the shoulder. It's going to flex the elbow as well. Now, the only one that you might have to memorize a little bit is its role in supination. So it turns your wrist from palms down to palms up. But Right off the bat, just by knowing where the muscle is and how it's arranged, how its fibers run, you know two out of the three actions. And most of the time, if you know how those fibers run, you can tell pretty much any muscle action. So let's take the brachialis, for example, just below the biceps. It only crosses the elbow joint, and its fibers are pretty much the same as the biceps, So as a result, you know it's going to flex the arm, period. Just like that. So seeking that understanding will make learning easier. Uh, And the last piece, if I'm going with this muscle uh, example, the whole way here would be innervation. And, you know, you could sit there and try and memorize the nerve innervations, but we actually had to learn nerve pathways. So the nerve would go through here, go out here, exit there, go through this, that sort of thing. So if you learn the pathway of a nerve, it's kind of like learning a roadmap. If you understand how the nerve travels throughout your body, you'll be able to tell, you know, tell someone and explain to someone what muscles that nerve will innervate, which is really cool. So in all situations, seek understanding. And again, going back to understanding with people, maybe you're a PT like me, a PT student, and you're working with patients, or uh, maybe you're a trainer working with clients, maybe you're in the business field, education, whatever. Just because you're seeking to understand something or understand someone does not mean you have to agree with them. So the classic example for this is either 
religious, so spiritual, or political. So someone might disagree with you on one of those regards. Instead of shutting down the conversation right there and saying, I don't agree with you, seek to understand their point of view and where they come from. By doing that, you're seeing their thought process. You're getting a picture of their mind as to why they feel that way. And you might not agree with them, and that is perfectly okay, but now you can be civilized because you know why that person feels the way that they do. So maybe someone is very spiritual because their religion has helped them through so many difficult times, and it's just made a profound impact on their life. And that is perfectly valid. That is great. I'm all for it. Maybe some people are atheists where they don't believe in anything really and you know maybe they had an experience uh spiritually and it was bad it was negative um you know you keep seeing all these different things in the news about you know like pastors abusing children that sort of thing and it's awful to see awful to think about but it happens and maybe that happened to them and maybe they choose not to believe in anything because of, you know, what's happened to them in the past. And, you know, you might not agree with that, but at least you can understand where their point of view came from. And if you seek that understanding, that deeper connection, that will get you so much further, again, not just in learning, but with people in all aspects of your life. So with that, that's going to round out today's episode. Six of the top lessons I've learned in PT school that do not necessarily relate to um, exercise and fitness directly. Some do, some don't, um, but just more life lessons. And if you liked this style uh, podcast, there's a lot more lessons I've learned from PT school that I'd be more than happy to share. Um, I would like to give a huge shout out to all of our different professors here at LVC. Um, again, I haven't had all of them, but they are all phenomenal people. Um, and I've had nothing but positive experiences so far in my education. So Dr. Michael Laird, Dr. Matthew Walco, Dr. Justin Merswicki, Dr. Marcia Marcia Epler, uh, Dr. Mike Fink, Dr. Tangi Miller, Dr. Jen Price, Dr. Um, Robin Myers, Dr. Andrew Milosh, all of these amazing people. Huge shout out to all of them. And thank you for your commitment and just constant involvement in our education and our betterment through teaching us lessons that apply both inside and outside the classroom. Because like anything, you can't be you know the best in your field if your whole focus is the field you have to be rounded and complete not lacking anything so thank you again for listening and supporting the brown body podcast stay tuned for another motivational monday podcast coming up on monday thanks for listening take care